0: In today's episode
1: the inner trek sdhi debate that gives us an opportunity to genuinely alternate two different groups in the wheat program which we didn't have before um, so yeah just that principle that you don't you know treat the septoria in the crop repeatedly with the same active and treat it at very high doses that sort of minimizing the use just reduces the selection pressure
2: there is not an infallible production line, someplace churning out AIs, it's becoming more difficult and more expensive for manufacturers to bring these products forward. And they, you know, it's certainly in my career, it's gone from being a torrent to a to a river, and now I would say we're down to a stream. And I don't think the taps are going to open up anytime soon.
0: Welcome to Cropcast. I'm Tiffany McTaggart and today we're joined by Fiona Burnett from SRUC and Adam Christie from Scottish Agronomy. I'm very excited to be talking to them today about spray programmes for winter wheat. Adam, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hello there, Uh, my name's Adam Christie, I'm the Managing Director of Scottish Agronomy. I've been with the organisation Man and Boy, I joined fresh out of SEC Aberdeen in the dim and distant days of 1989 and spent most of my career in trials with Scottish Agronomy and dealing with our members. Uh, last year, the opportunity to change posts came along and uh, since June. I've been the managing director of the organisation.
0: Great. And Fiona, could you introduce yourself?
1: Hi yes so Fiona Burnett and I'm a professor of applied pathology at SRUC but I also lead a lot of the arable technical work that the college does. Um, We've worked with Adam on many shared projects Um, so kind of outreach and networks and I chair various kind of external things such as the fungicide resistance action group Um, so yeah that kind of network with industry is really important to me.
0: Great, thank you. Lots of exciting work that both of you are doing. So today we're going to be talking about spray programmes and what we're going to do is start off with winter wheat. So for winter wheat, Adam, what diseases would you be looking to manage in winter
2: wheat? The, the issue we have is that winter wheat is a myriad of challenges at the moment. Uh, we're coming off the back of what was a frighteningly bad septoria year in certain locations in 2022 and we had a bit of a get out of jail card with the dry weather and the early harvest that meant the full impact to the levels of septoria that we were seeing uh, didn't have the yield robin effects that they potentially could have. I, I think we're at a place with Septoria that we're now seeing the true consequences of the loss of Clodothalanil a few years ago. It's fundamentally altered what we can do and we have a raft of varieties that uh, are not light on Septoria pressure and more and more pressure has been put on the chemistry and more and more heavy lifting has been required in the new chemistry as soon as it arrives. Uh, I personally, I think we're looking at a fundamental shift in what we can and can't do in wheat. And the first thing we're going to have to do as growers is look at the raft of varieties that we grow and how we grow them and rethink our approach. Because if you have August and early, uh, early September drilled skyscraper in the ground now, if we face the same level of septoria as we did last year, we as agronomists can't guarantee we can control that septoria, and that's a frightening place to be. So, change is required. We also have issues with mildew. With uh, we now have resistance confirmed to our main fungicides. Uh, you know, yellow rust is controllable, but shouldn't be forgotten about. And personally, Fiona maybe knows more about this, but we suspect something is going on with eye spot at the moment because from what we've been looking at certainly an eye spot it's not necessarily following the rules that we would have said were in place until a few years ago so there's changes afoot so many challenges as far as sweet's concerned fiona would you agree
1: yeah no as you say adam that kind of we're not just aiming at one target so that raft of diseases and they're all shifting slightly so Settoria, those dry springs You know, it's kind of the epidemics different to how it was in the past, more severe later. Um, And I spot that's a really interesting one that you've raised. So partly we know that the wheat varieties are really weak, but we're seeing more of it in crops where, like you say, that it's not following the rules. So more in spring barley um, and strictly that's a crop that shouldn't suffer as much. So something there about changing climate as well, I think, and possibly a change of races warmer winters um, earlier drilling and the winter crops partially explains why we're seeing it there Um, so yeah when we're thinking about the programs and the timings it's kind of keeping all these targets in
2: mind
0: definitely lots to think about
2: i I think that's the challenge is that we can't isolate one issue we've got to think of multiple targets and it's a moving feast you know and the problem is that the chemistry that we've got now is prophylactic we can't chase disease we've got to be in, in front of it so you've to make your decision make your investment before you actually know truly what you're facing and that it can it can add up to some pretty scary numbers at times when you're looking at if you go for maximum attack on a program it can be pretty daunting what, what a grower can be faced with so I think we've got to be realistic and, you know, personally I think we're reaching the maturation of integrated crop management now and we're, we're going to need something from chemistry certainly but we're going to need something from the variety, something from the management of the crop and we're going to have to start thinking about this from the day that seed comes onto the farm you know the the days of deciding that you're going to put in another 50 acres of wheat and the bucket goes into the the heap of just harvested wheat i i think that's behind us mm-hmm. now it's just too high a risk and you know the 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 economics of growing these crops has changed substantially you know according to our calculations it takes it, it's three times the cost to acquire the nitrogen required to grow a ton of wheat than it was even two years ago now if that's the case the investment and the risk involved in growing these crops has increased now you could argue that relatively fungicide programs have become a smaller part of that but it's a very identifiable cost and it tends to be something that growers look to target and feel that they still retain some control over But in real terms, I mean, I'm I'm not using that as an excuse for treating everything all of the time. But we've always got to remember our fungicides are an insurance policy now. And, you know, a lot of this depends on the grower's attitude to risk and just how close to the edge that Mm -hmm. grower wants to stand.
1: No, to expand on that, the kind of de-risking the system that the fungicides let us do is really important. Um, And the sort of ability, as you say, Adam, to plan ahead. I mean, of course, you can modify what you're doing, you know, responding to the risk that you're seeing in the crop. But a kind of a basic plan um, as we go through the timings does help you to sort of, it lets you plan ahead in terms of what you order. And fungicide resistance is an increasing issue. So it lets you plan in a bit of the mixes and alternations as well. And absolutely, you then react to what you're seeing and you can modify those. But yeah, a kind of a basic plan rather than doing everything in the moment is really essential now.
2: Especially when you think about the the effects of post-Brexit, post-COVID supply chain issues there's no guarantee that if you make a last-minute change of decision on what you want to go with as a T1 or a T2 say, that that product's actually going to be available. And it may may well be your choice is governed by what you can actually lay your hands on rather than what you want to use.
0: So when people are starting to think about their plan, before we get into what their plan might be, can you just give us an overview of some of the different products which are available?
1: Yes, so I think, you know, we've got... We've been in a worse position. We have a range of chemistry, um, of which azols are still really key in wheat programmes, so they remain the backbone. We've got the STHIs, which you know, have been a really useful um, addition. And then, encouragingly, we've now got InnoTREC uh, as a, a brand-new active, so it's what's termed a, a QII, um, so a novel mode of action. Um, but then really importantly we've also got uh, you know a multi-site like full pit uh, and I would place it ahead of other multi-sites and you know as we've already indicated keeping as much of a mixture and a diversity in that chemistry is, is really important so I think they would be my kind of key families of of chemistry that we've got to work with in the wheat which is you've already said Adam we've lost chlorothalonil but we've gained in a trek, so it's Really important that we kind of make the most of what we've got.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would echo that the the choice of chemistry. I I think it's it's almost straightforward. We have the the innovation chemistry, if you like, in uh, Re- Revisol as in Revistar and the nitrate based products like Univoc. We we probably need to cross the Rubicon and discuss Univoc a little bit, given the. Uh, you know, some people will have heard that there was issues with it as a product, and I think we need to tackle that. But certainly our viewpoint is, you know, dependent on variety, and if you're growing a very resistant-like variety such as X-Days, that probably eases the burden. But if you're a skyscraper grower, and given the deterioration in its sectorial performance we saw last year, you're probably looking at... A buy-in of using Univoc at one timing and Revistar at another timing. You know, the the opportunities to cut costs just aren't there. The risk is too high in a variety such mm-hmm. as Skyscraper. And we we also have you, you know, there's other problems that we haven't had before. You know, the T zero timing, it's very difficult to isolate what we're gonna use it at that T zero timing if you're if you're chasing yellow rust, uh, a low rate of an old-fashioned uh, triazole such as tebuconazole is a no-brainer. But if you've a grower that wants to tackle a septoria at that timing, that's become you know since we lost tebuconazole and it's yes you know its its efficacy had faded, but it was very good on price and you could throw a bit of rate at the problem. That's no longer an option, and we really struggle to chase Septoria at that timing. So it's, you know, there needs to be an understanding that what we can achieve has changed fundamentally in the last few years. And there, there's some new toys in the toolbox, and they're good products. And there's some promising toys coming along that you know hold hold good promise. But where we are for this season in the here and now there are cases it's the the program's going to be a challenge.
1: Mm -hmm. I think I would just add that the kind of principle that we do as little as possible um, it kind of holds so that t naught timing very driven by your yellow rust need Um, but it's definitely a time where you know we want to use a minimum dose And, you know, I like using mixtures again with a fungicide resistance head on. So the kind of idea that you could use a nasal strabilurin mix that targets the yellow rust well. And strangely, you know, the strabilurins, for all we have resistance in septoria, they still do something to manage that risk. Um, And the kind of approach I've heard some people chatting about inserting an SDHI at the T naught timing. And for me, I, I, wouldn't because I think that's a piece of chemistry that we're really reliant on later so why would we expose it at a timing where we know we don't get big yield responses and where yellow rust isn't its main suite anyway so I think just that idea that we can use the T to use perhaps chemistry that we're not going to rely on later in the program kind of holds.
0: So why are you looking to use products at T0 which you aren't going to be using later in your programme?
1: So it's kind of one of the key principles of trying to reduce the risk of fungicide resistance is that you sort of minimise the number of times you use any one product. Um, And it is a worry with the azoles because essentially on wheat we will have an azole in it every single timing so again the principle that you at least try and if you can alternate within the azoles is mildly helpful when it comes to making it complicated for the septoria population um but you know the the inner trek uh, sdhi sort of debate that I'm, i'm sure we'll get into that gives us an opportunity to genuinely alternate two different groups in the wheat program which we didn't have before um so yeah just that principle that you don't you know, treat the septoria in the crop repeatedly with the same active and treat it at very high doses. That sort of minimising the use just reduces the selection pressure.
2: Every time we use a product, we st- we start selection pressure. You know, from the very first time we have a new active in trial, selection pressure starts from that point. And then it becomes dependent on what else you put in the tank or what else you use in sequence. And uh, You know, it's all about minimising risk and stewardship of these products, and there's a heavy onus on users to actually steward these products, because there is not an infallible production line someplace churning out AIs. It's becoming more difficult and more expensive for manufacturers to bring these products forward, and they, you know, it's certainly in my career, it's gone from being a torrent to a to a river, and now I would say we're down to a stream, and I don't think the taps are going to open up anytime soon. You know, these guys do a very good job of bringing new products forward, but it is increasingly difficult. And the environmental expectations and challenges are are much higher. And when you when you remove crutches such as chlorothalonil, what what you do is you expose the remaining chemistry, in Follpit is without a doubt the best multi-site that we have available at the moment. I would echo Fiona's comments of earlier, but Follpit is not chlorothalonil. It's not Bravo, and again, that was a bit of a, a game-changer. So it you, you end up with the, the new actives being asked to do more and more of the heavy lifting because you're getting less out of your old actives, so stewardship is going to be key here.
1: I also think this just I like to pull out the win-wins for a grower here they can steward for the kind of general good but there are plenty of individual wins to saving if you like the most expensive chemistry to the most responsive timings and then alternating in some of the cheaper chemistry which will do a perfectly good job at t0 um, and perhaps at t1 Um, so that idea that you can get some individual benefits from mixing and alternating I think is a kind of key one as well and again the multi-site full pit that Adam's highlighted there if we kind of maximize our use of that safe multi-site chemistry that's much less likely to develop resistance you can then minimize the use of other perhaps more expensive actives as well so I think there are kind of individual wins here as well.
0: Adam, you mentioned before about trying to not put on a T-naught timing um, going forward, depending on how genetics go. Are there any varieties at the moment which usually you don't need to put a T-naught on with?
2: Uh, yes, there, there is. The, the issue we have is the vast majority of these cleaner wheats are hard wheats, and the bulk of the Scottish crop is soft wheat. And this is going to prove to be a bit of a challenge. I mean, the realities of cougar septoria resistance hit home and hit home hard. Last year, England have been having a problem with this for a number of seasons. We definitely saw hints and nudges that it had arrived in our shores in pre-harvest 21. But last year, it was savage. I I would say on our five-site it was the worst septoria I've seen in 30-plus years of looking at trials. It, it was unbelievably savage. Uh, the, and the variety differences were quite incredible. Now, you know, XDS days I, I mentioned it earlier, it's not a perfect variety by any stretch of the imagination, but if solely looking at septoria, it stood out a mile in the way that it uh, it. Uh, held on to its green leaf in the face of that onslaught, and there, there are other hard wheats such as uh, Theodore, and uh, oh, what's the Lima grain variety that I always forget? I always want to call it the wrong name. Internally, they call it the Beast because it's so big. I knew I would forget this. There are cleaner varieties, but mm-hmm. it's a classic case. Be careful of what you wish for, because if you uh, if you select on one trait and one trait only, you may end up with a variety that is uh, late, that is weak, strawed, that is horribly prone to mildew. So you know, it it's a it's a balance of factors. But we have a real issue with the soft wheat selection that we've got at the moment, because as a rule, they are very weak on septoria now
0: so looking to t1 timings what sort of products are you thinking about then fiona
1: well we mentioned i spot earlier so that will certainly be something that many scottish growers will be trying to factor in um and it's absolutely this is the sort of the t naught is optional let's say the t1 is where you're really getting things off to a good start um so definitely a good easel, and either an SDHI or the inner trek that we've referenced and this sort of idea that you plan ahead for the season so that you're trying to alternate um, and definitely full pit at this timing so again the idea that you can minimize the rate of your easel and SDHI chemistry and maximize your use of the multi-site at that timing and again it's it's a protectant so that it makes absolute sense that we insert it early in the programme. I think, again, the T2 is the more responsive timing. So, again, just being a little bit pragmatic, that gives a hint that you might want to place your more expensive chemistry at the T2 timing. And that might give you a more open choice to the kind of azole SDHI mixes that we use at T1. So we know that most SDHIs have some activity against eye spot, and we know that prothioconazole um, has been historically a good azole for eye spot, but not losing sight of the fact that this is us starting off our septoria management and protection.
0: Adam, do you have anything to add?
2: The uh, I, I, I would echo Fiona's comments. I mean, our thoughts are less productive wheat later sown cleaner varieties you can probably look at you know the, the older chemistry you know you have potential to use if it was a more rusty variety we'd probably go down the route of the Lattice era from Syngenta Ascra's possibly got a shout there as well they both contain Prithio so you will get an eye spot kick from that but in most situations given that the bulk of the scottish area is down to varieties such as skyscraper we feel you've got to go with new chemistry and we we're probably going to look at univoc at that timing as uh, our lead product yes fall pit as in arizona will be in the tank as well uh, but that you know our trials last year very much proved that there was an advantage you know in using the new chemistry there's been an awful lot of debate say in circles that fiona and i are involved in about which is best t1 and t2 in our trials we haven't been able to tease that out we found the important thing is to to use both univoc and revistar within your program it seems more logical to use say univoc at T one, because of the prithao inclusion and the eye spot kick you get from that, but I mean, certainly amongst our growers, if they have an eye spot history and they know they're under pressure, we we will also advise on an, an inclusion of a of a specific eye spot product such as boscalid as an intargo. In that that hopefully takes iSpot out of the game. We, we've we had a few cases in the last year where we've been a bit disappointed and th- this merits further examination. But at the moment, that that's still the way we would go. Fiona, I think it would be remiss of us if we didn't just mention uh, Univoc. Uh, there was obviously a lot of press last year and as as ever good news travels slowly and bad news travels at the speed of light. There's no denying that uh, growers on occasion did have problems with Univoc and at times it resulted in sprayers being out of commission at very very busy times a year. These issues seem to be linked to lower water volumes or extended spray periods. if you remember back, T1 last year particularly was no, sorry, T2 was a pretty broken spell of weather last year, and often spray programs that would take a couple of days to put on were taking seven to ten days, with the result that sprayers were sitting contaminated. Uh, Corteva have changed their advice or updated their advice rather than the use of the product which is available on their website, and we would certainly advocate. Following that, we we believe the product is still worth using, but that uh, those those recommendations need to be followed because none of us can afford to be without our sprayers at that key time of year.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely right. That the best practice advice about you know higher water volumes, not leaving it sitting around, not trying complex mixes, um. I mean, obviously it related to kind of damage to seals and sprayers. There was also a suggestion that this was about harder water, so possibly fewer issues up in Scotland unless there were specifics, as Adam said, that we knew it was a low water volume. So, I mean, the HDB fungicide performance data shows kind of quite consistently that Univoc has an edge when it comes to septoria management and yield response in a septoria um situation, but it has to be caveated with that sort of concern that we don't want to go all out. And I don't think for many reasons we'd want to go all out in one act of across the whole country at one timing. Um so I do think the advantage of having both it and the new Revistar, so that's a new easel um, with an established SDHI. Um, so yeah, I think people should be exploring a mixture. And if they're using Univoc, absolutely do it with your eyes open. And if it's likely to, you know, if you're committed to low water volumes, um, then it's maybe not the one for you.
0: That's fair enough.
2: I mean, it's, it's really important to go into it with your, your eyes open, I would say. But strictly from an agronomy point of view, looking at the efficacy of the product, univox right there at, right up there at the top of the tree at the moment
0: yeah 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 so when would you think about putting a t3 onto winter wheat
1: oh, with a crystal ball um <laughs> often i mean then we're thinking about fusarium and macadokium management which we haven't even included in our shopping <laughs> list of wheat problems yet probably we probably
2: should have done fiona
1: <laughs> <laughs> oops um So we know that that tends to infect um, during flowering and sort of after a a wet, a splash event. And we also know that the chemistry kind of fades fast in its efficacy, really once you get 48 hours before or after that event. Now in Scotland, rain events are common. So that means that if you ask me now when I would be treating, it would very likely be early in flowering because it's very likely to rain and I don't want to be Sort of working retrospectively. The trick we often get into though is that people are perhaps slightly late with their flag leaf. They then feel they haven't had good value out of their flag leaf because it's not been on for a fortnight. And so they then compromise the ear timing um, to try and go later. And if it's dry, that's probably not an issue at all. But I would kind of just say really keep an eye on the weather. And don't think of it as adding value to your flag leaf. Think of you losing value in that T three spray if you if you're delaying it in wet conditions. It really wouldn't be a good plan.
2: That that's a very good point. You know, the growers feel if they've they don't like going back in with a sprayer if they're just out the field two weeks beforehand, but that's often exactly when they do need to be there. As soon as these florets start to fall, we know we see a drop-off in efficacy of that T3 spray. But in hindsight, did we get money's worth out of T3 sprays in 2022? Probably not, because Mother Nature was on our side. But when we applied these sprays, none of us knew. You know, it could easily have been like previous years and we get a fortnight's rain. So it's... It's risk management, and in Scotland, we normally, you know, once that T3 is applied, it's normally at least another six weeks before a combine will be anywhere near that crop. Definitely wasn't last year, but six weeks is a long time to leave a crop unprotected, and Scotland's very good at growing wheat, but we're very good at growing fusarium as well. So, you know, Mm -hmm. our advice would still be the inclusion of a, a T3 and probably prothio-based or a prothio-tebiconazole mix, we can debate whether, you know, the worth of the inclusion of fall pit at that timing. But if you have three hits of a litre, we would probably still advocate the, the fall pit inclusion in there as well. But do not kid yourself with the, you know, the slide we've seen in Prothio's performance, you're not going to get massive kickback on Septoria at that timing. It's, it's Fusarium you're targeting, and if, if it's Septoria you're after, that's where the, you know, that's why you need strong chemistry at T2, and we would be advocating either Revistar or Univoc at that timing and all but the, the, the latest or cleanest varieties.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the other key thing at that timing is you're beginning to run out of what you can use. So last application timing. So the inclusion of full pit in an ideal world would help manage the septoria. But with a cutoff, you know, uh, of the year fully emerged, you'd be right on the margins of what's doable there. And the other pieces we're then very reliant on azoles. So we're trying to manage the septoria and the ear diseases, the ear blights. And essentially we're on you know an azole or an azole mix at this timing a bit of chat about whether you might include an sdhi if you had a lot of septoria but yeah just watching those last application timings is is probably really key
2: i mean our timing is normally fully emerged before any florets fall because you get such quick leaf deterioration as soon as these florets start to move Interestingly enough, there are some new toys that potentially look very effective at this timing, but we don't have them to play with. So it, it's it's what we we have in the cupboard at the moment. The, the difficulty we found with Prithio is to get that activity and fusarium, there's an element of potluck involved on the timing. And if, if you have mild damp weather, you often hit perfect timing. If it's dry at that point and it starts raining and goes mild and damp a week later, unfortunately, you've missed the boat. And there's there's nothing we can do about it. That is the sort of restriction that we now face. And, the, you know, that that's why choice of the right variety and how you manage it is becoming more and more important.
0: Definitely sounds like it'd be much easier if we had a crystal ball, knew what the year was going to bring and you can make a plan. But sadly, that's not the case.
2: You speak to growers down south and mildew's not an issue, but it's a, you know, it's a very traditionally Scottish issue. And uh, we are we're increasingly seeing issues with mildew control. Uh, would, would you say you're seeing the same
1: Yeah, no, and we know that it's removed. So, for example, Leeds is hardly grown now just because of that niggling issue with mildew that, you know, became too much for people to to keep on top of. And again, it varies throughout the country. So, you know, you and I both have growers in the Black Isle who will rate mildew as one of their biggest problems and they will be in several times in the season, specifically with mildewicides, to manage that. And again, historically, mildew is a disease that breaks every single piece of chemistry that you bring to the party. Um, so, yeah, in an ideal world, resistant varieties. But it, it's one that, yeah, some growers, it's site specific. Um, but, yeah, it can be a battle.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the the worry for us now is uh, of the specific mildewicides we're seeing problems with them all on certain sites. I mean, it's it's not to say it's impossible. I think we've actually underrated the mildew activity from pruthiaconazole, and I think we often get a bit of incidental control. But if you're in a Black Isle or an Angus hotspot on lightish, manganese-hungry land, again, variety selection is absolutely key and you know, the, the, the leads near, in the istoprax have gone, but there's still a varieties out there such as astronomer that have a, a very real problem with mildew and should be avoided because, they, again, once the disease is established, we are lacking the tools to go after it now. So it's prevention rather than cure that has yeah. to be the, the key to any strategy.
0: We've covered a lot of information there for winter wheat. Can we just have a quick summary of the different timings?
1: A challenge to summarise, Tiffany. But yeah, for T-naught, um, a low-dose azole, um, probably one of the older azoles, and probably in a mix with astrobillium for me.
2: Yeah, I, if, if I could comment on that, or the other option is do nothing and rely on the varieties resistance. t T1. Depending on your variety choice, we would probably be looking at a, a Univolt-based pro, program plus a fault pit for the more vulnerable varieties. And if you've a cleaner, more robust variety, you could think about a era or Ascra with fault pit at that timing.
1: And then flag leaf being the most responsive timing. Um, so that's certainly one of the leading bits of chemistry so if i hadn't used univoc at t1 i might put it there and the other way about probably a revistar product there and again absolutely with full pit that multi-site protecting the chemistry there
2: and then t3 is the easy one because we don't have an awful lot of options so you're probably looking at prothioconazole tebuconazole and a bit of Folpet in there and I uh, hope that you hit the right timing for fusarium
0: That was a great short summary. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And a big thank you to our speakers, Fiona and Adam, for sharing their knowledge. Please subscribe and follow our podcast. And why not try listening to one of our other podcasts? Have you tried listening to the fortnightly show, Rural Roundup, which takes you through the latest news and information and events available through the Farm Advisory Service? You will also hear the latest news from myself, joined by Robert Ramsey and George Chalmers.
2: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business, and more brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.